The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, and welcome to today's Barron's Live. I'm Abby Schultz, a senior writer at Barron's Penta. And today we're talking about trends in buying and selling art online um, with Mike Steib, who is CEO at Artsy. <laughs> um, Artsy is celebrating 10 years of making art globally available online from thousands of galleries, auction houses, all kinds of places, art fairs and the like. Um, so welcome, Mike. It's great to have you with us here today. Thank you, Abby. It's great to be here. Um, before we get started, I just want to remind our audience that if you have questions, write them in. We'll try to get to them before our time is up. Um, so, Mike, I understand you're in Los Angeles, uh, beautiful Los Angeles, where I'm there's a lot of Los Angeles, <laughs> uh, and there's a lot of art happening this weekend. From what I understand, there's a lot of art fairs in town. The big one being Freeze LA, Felix Fair. I'm just wondering what you're going to make sure you get out and see. We've had, um, so three big exciting things for me this weekend. We've had the artsy collaboration with No Contemporary. We had a big event, great turnout on Wednesday. Um, I hit the fair yesterday, Freeze LA. The opening was like super high energy and the artworks were great. And some of my personal favorite galleries were there. Um, I'm also going to get over to the Felix Art Fair uh, later today. And it's great to see this much energy uh, around art and supporting the art world uh, here in LA. Does it? Feel, I mean, this is, I guess, the big question is, does it feel like we're back to normal with art fairs, whatever normal may be? Yeah, it feels like we're back. It feels like we're back to normal. Really? Normal, normal, and normal in a mask, but we're back. Normal in a mask, but lots of people, lots of art. and you're Lots of people, lots of art. And like, there are a lot of dynamics that, through COVID that have been, while the sort of offline portion of the art world was for a period of time canceled and then for a period of time sort of coming back to health, people have been spending a lot of time in their homes and having second thoughts about all the blank walls and all of the sort of missing cultural touch points that they were able to enjoy outside of the home in their lives. And it's in a lot of ways been a positive tailwind for the, for the art market. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned the no contemporary, which is a group exhibition that I, my understanding said it was, it's called black that was curated by knowledge Bennett, who's an artist and the gallery's founder. Um, and it's kind of part of a lot of efforts you've done, you've had at Artsy over the last few years, just kind of lifting the work of, um, and the profiles really of, of artists um, of color, female artists, you know, people who haven't had a lot of visibility in the art world in recent years. And I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about what you've what you've done at Artsy. Well, the, from a big picture standpoint, first our, our mission is to open up the art world to millions of more people. And by making the art world uh, more welcoming and more inclusive to bring more dollars into the art market to support art galleries and to support more of their artists. And, you know, the art world, there are lots and lots of people in the world who should be enjoying art and lots and lots of people in the world who should be making a living through creating their art. The art world's been too small and too exclusive for too long. And so at a, at, at a high level, that's what we're working on. We're bringing, and for anyone who's in the webcast, who's, 
not as familiar with Artsy, we're bringing all of the artwork for sale in the world together into one app. Today, we've aggregated over a million works of art that are available for sale through Artsy. We've taken you know, one of the things that's kept a lot of people out of the art market historically, which is the opacity around price. And we've brought transparency either right up front or in one click through, uh, through our app and through our website. I think we now have over 600,000 works of art that are priced. And if you had told someone in the art world five years ago that that's how the art world was going to work, they would have had you institutionalized. And finally, the, the, the transacting of art is not, it's, there's a lot of friction. It's not easy. I don't, if you haven't had the pleasure, I love going to the gallery. I love going to the art fair. I love seeing the artwork in person. Then there's this point where there's like PDFs going back and forth and dealing with shippers and that kind of friction keeps people out of the art world as well. And we've like, we've got it down to two clicks. You see something you love, you click twice and it's hanging on your wall two weeks later. That is from a big picture standpoint, the art world we're trying to create at Artsy and we've made like, we've made really exciting progress. Still with all of that, there are historical uh, barriers to entry in the art market in particular for historically underrepresented artists, whether it's female artists, black artists, et cetera, which has, a, has the byproduct of also keeping out underrepresented groups as, as buyers of art. And why is that? Because art is in part a branded purchasing experience. If you say to someone who knows a little bit about art, hey, like, name 10 artists, they're all these old dead white guys. And if those, if those are the artists you know when you show up, and if the art world is sort of architected around that, then the next 10 artists you discover are also going to be old white dead guys or not or old white guys who aren't dead yet, but they will be. And that's not the inclusive art world we're trying to create. So at Artsy, we lean, we, we lean into democratizing the art world with everything we have. We lean even harder into, into making up for lost time and lost progress and supporting the artwork of previously underrepresented artists. And the no contemporary uh, collaboration is sort of one recent example that that, that the team and I are, are really proud of. That's great. Um, so yeah, if you could maybe just tell us a little bit more about Artsy. Um, you've been around for ten years, so congratulations on ten years. That's a that's a big milestone. Yeah, um, what what can you um, yeah what what should what should we know about it and how have you made it less how have you reduced the friction? How, how has that, how have you been able to do that? So if you imagine, you know, imagine a world, imagine a world without Artsy and Artsy is the sort of by far the leading player in the art world on the internet. Um, you take the internet away from any shopping or cultural or enjoyable experience. What you have left is you wanted to buy a painting. You have to go gallery to gallery or art fair to art fair. You have to inquire after, after the availability. You have to, you have this exchange or you have to be like, hey, how much does this cost? You don't even know if it's still available. Did someone else buy it? Have you ever had the experience? Like even you ever go to a store, I hate to make this comparison. You go to a store and like, you don't know the price of the sweater and you say, hey, how much is the sweater? And then the person says it's $900 and you have to pretend like you're still interested in it when like, I wasn't there to buy a $900 sweater. People have that experience like over and over and over again with art. And it just is, unless you've been in it for a long time and you're super comfortable, you know your way around it. It's like, it makes it less welcoming. 
And the other thing is, it's hard to know about the artist, right? You get to do a lot of work. You can start, you know, you fall in love with art initially with your eyes, but then you want to get to know the artist's story. You're, this is a big acquisition that you're making. You're going to be living with this artist's work for a very long time. And it's not always easy to sort of make your way around and get to know the artist. And as I mentioned before, transacting. So we've got 3,500 galleries from 100 countries around the world, including the top, top, top galleries you can think of, the Gagosians and Paces and Zwerners and Hausers and so on. We work with fair partners like Fries and others around the world to make sure that those galleries, their artworks, and the selections of artworks they pick at those fairs as well are presented on Artsy. They're presented with all of the information you could wish to have about the artist, her career, the gallery, and what else the, the, the other artists at the gallery works with, the information you need to, I don't know if you know this, but if you want to buy a painting in New York and have it shipped from Paris, the price isn't just the price that you see, right? You're dealing, you've got to deal with VAT taxes. You've got to deal with shipping the whole deal. We take care of all of that. So now we've got all of those paintings from all of those galleries from all those countries around the world. And you don't have to go nation to nation. You don't have to go neighborhood to neighborhood. You don't have to go gallery to gallery. You can just download the Artsy app or go to our website and it's all there for you. You can interact with the galleries if you have a bunch of questions. You can interact with my VIP advisors if you need additional support. You can just click the button and that moment you fall in love with the painting, make sure that it's yours. Uh, an audience member asked, you know, how are online art sales different from traditional art sales? And that kind of answers it in a, in a lot of ways. You know, you're clicking a button. Um, and, and also um, you mentioned like if you were sitting here or sitting in Los Angeles and you buy want to buy a painting from Paris, where how, how do you learn about all those other fees? I mean, are they just kind of like laid out for you because you're working with art online? Yeah. Are working so an online platform. If, you're, if one is shopping for art online, first of all, anybody who's joined the webinar, if you want to buy art, you don't know where to start, like slide into my DMs. I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram. You tell me what you like, tell me your budget and a little bit of what you're looking for. And I have a team that will get on it and help get you started because getting over that first hump is not easy. And you don't have to know the artist's background and you don't have to know where they got their MFA. We know all that stuff. <laughs> You just have to know, like, I kind of love abstract. I kind of, I think I love photography. Hey, here's a painting that I that I like. We'd be happy to take care of it for you. If you're more of a self-serve type, you come to Artsy. We will present you all of what's new, interesting, and hot. We've got what's, what's happening at the fairs today, what's for sale at the auctions. We highlight collections that Artsy puts together in collaboration with our gallery partners, the Artsy Vanguard, uh, the artsy new our new we highlight a bunch of new and noteworthy artists in the artsy trove it's a super fun shopping experience so you will you'll like dive right into the deep end just coming to the app but if you know that you want a 36 by 48 david yarrow uh buffalo photo, photo piece of photography you can also just type that in the search box we'll find you that piece we'll show you all the galleries to have them available show you the prices and we'll also show you related works that you might like as well that's great uh, another audience member asked about how his name is Shiv asked how long it will take for the online market, online art market to mature. Are, are we there yet? I mean, it seems like we may be there yet. There. Do you I mean, it feels, pretty, it feels pretty mature to me. I've got, yeah. you know, we've got offices in New York, London, Berlin, a bunch of people work. Like we've got a big team that's been banging away at this for a long time. 
And there are billions of dollars of art transacting now online. So it's here. It's here. Yeah, I remember talking with you when not long after you started and we were like trying to like find some examples of some large sales that had taken place. And um, it was it wasn't like today where you do see million dollar paintings bought and sold online. We um, um, we sold a six and a half. Mil we sold a Julie Moretzu original piece um, as part of a collaboration with the artist and her gallery. Uh, and to support a support a charitable cause that what the artist was passionate about, and her previous auction record was three and a half million, and we I believe roughly three and a half million. We sold this piece for six and a half million. Wow! Click of a button on a phone, <laughs> and we're moving. I mean, we've moved a number of million dollar works uh, recently. Uh, Wesselman and Kusama and Cause. We've sold. We've. I, I suspect we sell more Warhols uh, and Warhol prints than anybody else in the world. Those are generally. They start in the six figures and you know go up and up and up. We right. sold, we've sold tons of those. It's, it is the art market is here and it is here at all price points. We also, we move lots and lots of three and four and low five figure works as well. So it's, it's it is an ecosystem that has something for the tastes of everyone, whether they are after blue chip, brand name, exclusive secondary market works, or a hot new artist coming out of this really cool gallery that I love and uh, in Ghana, who's got a new artist whose prices are much lower, but who's like work really speaks to you. Like we've got, we've got prints and multiples, we've got everything. Um, so art, Artsy, of course, is digitally based. That's, that's who you are. But the art market, uh, when the pandemic hit, really wasn't. And although a lot of galleries, auction houses and the like were, you know, pretty tech savvy. They they hadn't really innovated or relied on their technology that much. And that, mm -hmm. you know, of course, super accelerated during the pandemic. And I'm wondering it what effect that had on you at Artsy. Like uh just the, the just the broad based acceptance of buying on online and and all kinds of technologies that were used. You know, we were I mean we, we were incredibly busy. Uh, we had been out there in the market talking to 25,000 art galleries around the world for years, telling them we can get you online. We can connect you to an online audience. We have you know, there, th this next generation of, of art collectors and potential art collectors demand a really slick digital experience. The average gallery has four employees. It is really hard to create an incredible well SEO digital experience along with a native app experience with high performing search and on platform transactions and like all these things that we do. It's really, really hard to do as a gallery. And we've been telling them for a long time, come to Artsy, we'll do it for you. And we'll help grow your practice and bring a lot more, bring a lot more collectors to you. And like sales is hard. And when something is new, people say no to it over and over and over again. Um, and what something like the, the the last couple of years does in the, to an industry is it it accelerates changes that were going to happen over a longer period of time, and that's what that's what we've seen um, since early 2020. Yeah. I mean, we went we went from selling to taking calls and just helping customers as soon as all of the gallery doors shut. And I you know I'm I'm really 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 proud to tell you our retention rates are higher than ever. So it wasn't just that a bunch of galleries came on board. 
while their stores were closed as a, as a temporary band-aid, they came out, they may, even if they thought of it that way, um, they saw a ton of business. We doubled the business to our gallery partners in 2020. And coming out of that, um, I think the industry has really seen the light on the power of the internet to facilitate, to bring in new collectors, new money and help to expand the art market. Right. It's a shift that is sticking. Are, are you seeing um, a different group of collectors as well? I mean, I, I, I've been reading about how people believe that there's a lot of younger collectors in the market now, more tech savvy collectors, crypto wealth, all that. Are you, are, is that something that you're, that you've been noticing? What well, we've, um, yes, the answer is yes. So from, from a big, big picture standpoint, 99% of luxury consumers did not buy art in the last year. So we've made a ton of progress. We've done a lot of work at Artsy. We're expanding the art market every day. And still we've got like, we've gotten this far. And it's for all the reasons we talked about. If you, someone, you know, if one of your, one of your readers wanted to spend two or three or four or 10 or $20,000 on a luxury purchase, and they bought a statement handbag or necklace or watch, they like, they feel immediately confident about that purchase. Cause you know what you just bought. You bought a Rolex, you bought Louis Vuitton. It's been marketed over and over and over again. We are like everyone else, you know, who knows what they're doing has one. And now you're like, ah, I did something smart that gives me endorphins for my purchase. In art, what I hear, I, you know, in my quieter conversations with friends who or colleagues who could be in the art market and aren't. And I'm like, why, like, why are you buying these mass produced handbags and watches? that everyone else has that are these like kind of gross signals of wealth. When you could be a patron of the arts, when you could make this emotional connection with an artist, when you could, you, you, you are making an investment in the career of someone whose work you feel passionate about. And when you buy a painting, Abby, you own the only one. Like you own a Rolex. Congratulations. You and every single third year associate of Morgan Stanley has a Rolex, like big whoop. You've got this painting that you've put on your wall. And it's like, I have to tell you, every time I walk by a canvas that we've that we've acquired, it like it makes me happy. It gives me endorphins. And so, like, step one, we just have to go out and get everybody who's got enough money for a fancy car or a fancy handbag and get them into the art market. Now, when you look at the when you look at those potential buyers demographically. So people under call it like 45 and under yeah. as they come to the art market, they 100% expect to do it online. In fact, you will see there will be an entire crop, an entire generation of collectors who will be surprised to learn that you can also go someplace to buy the art. The default behavior is a yeah. digital behavior. And, you know, I don't know, is that under 45 or 50 or 40? It's like, it depends on the person. It depends on the industry you work in. But like, we live in a world of digital natives now and digital natives, natives expect to get the job done in a really, really slick, seamless digital way. Okay. Then you've got people who maybe didn't know they need to be in the art market, but who have become collectors of something. And so, you know, there are like watch heads out there and gear heads out there. And like, if you expose them to art and they start to get it, it's like, oh, that's an interesting one too. 
And then we have the thing everybody wants to talk about, which is the crypto heads are, you know, they're buying tons of NFTs, something like $25 billion worth of NFT sales happened last year. Now, the number is a little inflated, I'll, I'll tell you, because a lot of these NFT projects flip a bunch of times in a short period of time. And if you sell, you know, one NFT for 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, $16,000, that all sums up to $100,000 of sales, but it's still only one $16,000 NFT. But anyway, here and we're there. Right. So a lot of money swishing around in the NFT space. And a lot of people who made a lot of money just buying Bitcoin at a thousand bucks. And so when you've fallen in love with first some NFT, crypto punk, a board ape, or, you know, whatever your whatever your flavor is, what is adjacent to those NFT collectibles is some really special digital art that happens to be encrypted on the blockchain. And those are these are artists who've been you know making digital art for for their whole careers, and they never quite knew how to like monetize their practice, because the problem with a piece of digital art is anyone can screenshot it and own it, and what blockchain has made popular is is a mechanism for transferring ownership, and so now those digital artists are also able to sort of make a living and are are finding a lot of popularity with the crypto crowd. Adjacent to them are traditional artists, many of whom are now working on new projects that have an NFT component to it. I was uh, talking to the Aquabella Gallery uh, yesterday, and they work with Tom Sachs, who's an artist everyone knows who's really good, who's doing this really cool NFT project where there are these paintings of parts of rockets, and he's also selling separately these NFTs of rocket parts, and then he's combining the rocket parts, and he's shooting them up into space, and then when they come back to Earth, they take them and they bring you the rocket part that's associated with your NFT. It's like it's this cool like statement about the interactions among art, digital, physical, like the the atomic world and the and the and the the, the ones and zeros world coming together. And like I don't know who's going to buy that. Is that going is that for art world people, crypto people? I think it's for all people. It's super cool. It's a long answer to your question, Abby, but we are we're we're seeing a lot of new kinds of buyers come into the art market. But we've still got a we still got a long way to go. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's true. I, I, but you did, of course, just bring up NFTs, which is something I wanted to talk with you about. Um, and the NFT world is pretty interesting because it is it, there's a lot of different things going on with it, um, and it can be divided all kinds of different ways. Every day, there's something new, like that, <laughs> like the Tom Sachs project. Um, but but the art NFTs are pretty interesting, um, and ones that are connected to digital art or to traditional artists. And I'm, I'm wondering, are you doing anything at Artsy with, with those kinds of projects? Are, are you branching into NFTs in any way? We, um, we had a, we just did our first NFT sale. Oh. And because, you know, we sit on the, I don't know if there were, it's not a spectrum, but if there were a spectrum from paint on canvas that you buy in a gallery in Soho to like digital, to digital art, to crypto, we're sort of, we're like somewhere in the middle, right? We are a digital player, but we've been a digital player traditionally serving art world buyers and physical works of art. Mm -hmm. Our take on the NFT space is that there are these very legitimate digital artists. And if our work is to democratize the art market, they are, like, they deserve our, our support as well. And it's, it, and not embracing it would kind of be like saying, you know, we do paintings, but we don't do sculptures. Like it's just, Art is art is art. And not every sculpture 
honestly, is art. And not every NFT, honestly, is art, but there's a subset of it that really is. And so we want to be there to, to support those artworks and those artists. And they haven't had the institutional support that traditional art has. Having someone like Artsy say, these are the top 22 NFTs this year that we're excited about has, has real meaning in the art market. And it's something that artists were excited about. Yeah. I told the team, I was like, I don't know if we're going to sell a single one. Like the only way you're going to find out is if you bring them on, you do your work and you see what happens. And we had a 92% sell through rate, which is, wow. which is significantly higher than the average uh, art world auction. So that was pretty, uh, that was pretty cool. And now we're in conversations with other uh, artists and firms that sort of act as galleries in the NFT world, as well as our own galleries who have some of their artists who are looking to do NFT projects. Mm. And so on this, uh, on this topic, we are, we're open for business. Some of the stuff we're thinking about longer term, uh, people have raised and rightly so raised environmental concerns yeah. around NFTs. The way that uh, the Ethereum blockchain works today is, uh, is not optimal for environmental impact. We're doing carbon offsets and stuff today. It's a, that, that's a short-term solve, but the longer-term solve has to be uh, to move to proof of stake and to move to blockchains that don't suck up all of this, uh, don't have the carbon emissions essentially right. of, uh, of minting and transacting NFTs. I, my sense is the whole sort of NFT world is on the same page and going there and that we'll be able to follow along. But if they're not, we're going to have to carve our, our own path on that because it's a, it's, it's an important responsibility of, of, of any company who cares about not only the future of their, their profits in their industry, but the future of the world. Right. Yeah. And there are some artists who are really focusing on that. I know Damien Hurst is with his NFT projects, he's been trying to find environmentally friendly or has developed a platform blockchain. I'm not 100% sure. I shouldn't talk about it because I'm not 100% sure, but I think he's uh, working in that realm, trying to answer that question. Um, I We have another question from a listener, Selena, who asks about how will cryptocurrency and NFTs affect physical art and traditional sales methods? So like, I guess she's saying, do you see NFTs changing how art is traditionally bought and sold or is it just going to be its own thing? Um, we, you know, we've done some work on this question of uh, provenance and mm. the, and the, and the blockchain. Yeah. And so one thing that's come up and it's come up with a lot of our galleries is sort of, you know, if you buy a painting, and then you sell it to somebody, you sell it to somebody else and then it, or whatever, and it hangs in somebody's house for 50 years. And then their kids bring it to Christie's or Sotheby's or what have you to sell it. Um, there's no proof that it is that painting. And, you know, at the at a, for a $50,000 painting, like the proof is that it exists because who's going to who's going to fake a $50,000 or $100,000 painting? But for five or a 10 or a $50 million painting, there's an awful lot of incentive to be really, really good at trying to sell a, a, a fake masterpiece. There's you know, some work being done around, well, can you pass title through blockchain along with the work of art? And then the sort of ownership, the chain of ownership and transactions is transparent. And when that sort of last person in the chain says, I want to sell you the work and you get the NFT with it, it would move with it. You talk to enough collectors about this and they say, wait a minute, you're going to tell everybody what I bought and how much I paid and how long I've owned it. And you're going to just post it on the, 
on this web three thing I don't 100% understand. And they're like, yeah, cool idea. Uh, call me in a few years. So we'll see how that one plays yeah. out. I have personally, it interests me because you see this, you see technology solving a, a real world problem. And generally speaking, when technology comes along and solves a real world problem, a good subset of people are like, oh, I don't want, you know, I don't want that solution. I don't, I don't want to have meetings on Zoom. I'm an in-person kind of guy. So, you know, you've got to, there'll, there'll be, everybody's going to figure this out over the next couple of years. Right, right. Um, <clears throat> one thing I'm curious about, just, I mean, so Artsy's 10 years old. Um, how have you generally, I mean, it's a big picture question, just um, just curious about your views of how the art market has shifted over those 10 years. And is it all about technology? Is it, or is it about the art? I mean, you, we've touched on some of this, but I'm just wondering, like, if you could kind of give your big, big picture view of where oh, we you know, are. Well, the, the the art world itself is in a is constantly evolving. The 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 works that were you know, new and noteworthy ten years ago, some of them people are like I can't believe that was interesting then, and some of them are you know the most important works hanging in museums now. So there's there's this constant creative destruction happening in the art market. So for sure, just like the art's different, and for everybody who's on this on this uh, broadcast, like if you're into art, go to the fairs, go to the galleries, check us out online, and like and keep on it until you like really get a sense for what you love and where these sort of trends are going. Right. Two things that have, over in the last three or four years have been much more prevalent. I'll just note themes in the art market. One is um, is this this message about uh, our global ecology? This 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 message about global warming, yeah. and you see this coming through in a lot of the in a lot of the artworks now. Um, there was a booth at Freeze a couple of years ago. I'm embarrassed, uh, the, forgetting the the gallery's name. I'll remember before we're finished. Um, and the whole booth was just uh, sculptures of dead birds. And boy, you walked in there and like. You go booth to booth. You're like, oh, I like this art. I like this art. You walk in and you're like, wow. Like the statement was so clear yeah. and the work was brilliant. And that like, that was the, the earlier edge of this, what we're seeing as a trend now around the environment. The other, uh, the other important change, and I think Artsy's played, a, played an important role in this, is the highlighting of new voices and previously marginalized groups as artists in the art market. Um, black figurative painters uh, are getting are having a, the moment that they've they've been due for a very very long time, um, and and that is uh, I think both of those are going to per, are going to persist. I think when we look back ten years from now, we'll say why did that take so long? And uh, you're going to see a lot of those artists have become the, some of the most important artists in the world. And a lot of that, I mean, that's that's already happened. There were incredible works of freeze. Hindi Wiley, MacArthur Binion, like really, really cool. I took the Basquiat, like really cool works. Um, I don't know the art world of 1985 may have may have failed to failed to recognize. Right, right. Interesting. Well, we are at at the moment that we need to stop, unfortunately. So even though I have work, I know it went very fast. Um, but I really appreciate um, your insights and. Um, oh, I just realized we had some other questions. I don't think we're going to have time to ask, unfortunately, but um, 
Abby, I'm, if you go to Twitter and you just look for Mike Stibe Artsy, like yeah, once just pop me the questions and I'll tag Barons and I'll reply online and we'll get we'll get through everybody's. That's perfect. Um, well, thank you, thank you for sharing your experiences art uh, at Artsy and your insights on the art world. Super interesting. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, Barron's Live will be off on Monday because we have a President's Day holiday, but we'll be returning Tuesday with a session on crypto um, featuring SEC Commissioner Hester Pierce. So uh, thanks, everyone. Stay safe and healthy. Bye-bye. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.